0: to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? Always wonderful. And might add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please, go check out my website, millerthomas 24myportfoliocom On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a whole bunch to talk about. AZ Snake Pit has their Carson Kelly review, so we're going to dive into that, where he also got a bunch of hot stove rumors to get to today, and also Bleacher Report has odds on a particular free agent outfielder that I really want the Diamondbacks to get, so I'll tell you the odds that the D-backs have on that guy, but first... Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you could get 20% off your next order. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, at LockedOnDiamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, let's get right into it. And as always, let's start off with those hot stove rumors, because there's actually a bunch of rumors today. So, the first rumor that I want to address today is you Darvish's name is out on the trade market right now. Now the thing with that is, it sounds like the asking price for you Darvish might be uh, pretty hefty. Some people are even saying a Babe Ruth level offer for you Darvish, and that makes sense. I mean, you Darvish was you know phenomenal this past season. I mean, there's not much else you can say. He was second in Cy Young voting this past season, so that, that's all you really need to know for to to know how good you Darvish was this season, and if you even if you go back to 2019 that second half of the 2019 season you darvish was a monster he really came alive in that second half of the season I mean if you look at his splits between the the first half of the season and the second half of the season it's not night and day but you could definitely tell he went to another level I mean it's almost night and day and 18 starts. He had in the first half of the season in 2019, he had a 501 ERA, but in the second half, he had a 276 ERA. So it was practically a different pitcher in the second half of the season. And it carried over all the way to 2020, where he he almost won the Cy Young Award. And if you told me he was the best pitcher in 2020, I wouldn't have necessarily argued with you. The 201 ERA uh uh led the led the National League in FIP. strikeouts per 9 at 11, so this guy was a stud, and the thing with darvish he is a little bit older, he's got to be 34 years old, so he's not, you know, uh, necessarily a spring chicken, but seeing what he did last year, seeing how he's been able to come along the last couple seasons after, you know, dealing with some injuries in 2018, he's really bounced back the last couple years, and if the Cubs are serious about trading him, it's going to take a king's ransom to pull off Darvish. Now. This other rumor is pretty weird. It's about Nolan Arenado. We know we've seen his name float around a few times in trade discussions. But Jeff Paston is saying that if, you know, there there might need to be a three-team deal to trade Arenado. And it might be something as weird as trading him to one team and that team trading him to another. So we'll see if Arenado, you know... moved it would be because of the money in his contract that a team would have to do that because he's just getting paid so much after that massive contract extension he had a couple years ago there's only so many teams that can actually afford that deal even though there's no salary cap in baseball there's only a few teams that allegedly can afford that deal so it might take a three-team deal where you actually have to trade him to one team and then that team flips him to another And I've never seen something like that. It's all because of the money he's owed. But still, if you're getting Nolan Arenado back in the deal, I don't care how much I'm paying him. I don't care about his 2020 season. I'm just chalking it up to a weird COVID year because this guy is just an absolute stud. And he's getting paid until 2026, or he's only going to be 35 years old. So you're getting this guy for his entire prime. And dudes can still ball out at 35. So I wouldn't be... Uh, scared at all to take on Nolan Arenado or that contract? Now, another rumor that we see here today is the the Royals might be in the mix for Jurax and Profar, and so are the Padres. They are interested in bringing back as well. Profar had a pretty decent season with the Padres this year. The former, you know, top top prospect. I think he was the number one prospect at one time in baseball. I could look that up real quick, but he's definitely fallen far from where he used to rank in, you know, the the baseball prospect rankings. And yes, pre-2013, he was ranked number one, and he was considered a five-tool kind of prospect, a guy that could hit for average, get on base, steal runs, play defense, have some pop, and we haven't really seen it. Back in 2018 and 2019, he did have back-to-back 20 home run campaigns. He did have double-digit stolen bases, but he can never really hit for a high average, a career two thirty-eight hitter career 318 OBP. His OPS is 715 is, uh, I guess, solid, uh, concerning his other numbers, but still, Profar has never lived up to, you know, his profile as a prospect, but the 2020 season with the Padres wasn't too bad. He had seven home runs, he batted two weighted 343 OBP, so he had some really solid numbers, and crazy thing with Profar is he's been in the league now, this is going to be his eighth season, and he's still only 28 years old. Remember, he broke into the league at 19, so any guy who's getting Profar is going to hope that uh, he still has that upside. They're going to hope he still continues to progress, and it looks like he, you know, made some strides with the Padres last season, but I'm still not fully bought in on Profar. I'm going to chalk up his successful 2020 season to the fact that it was a shortened season. Now, Let's get to another rumor. And this one is about the Cincinnati Reds. And they might be unloading the two frontline starters in, in uh Luis Castillo and Sony Gray. Now, I don't know why they would necessarily want to do that. I guess because they're losing out on Trevor Bauer. And maybe they don't want to pay Luis Castillo and Sony Gray. Maybe they want to just go in a full rebuild. I mean, I'm telling you, this pandemic has really deterred teams from paying. People, any kind of money, and the Reds look like another team that's gonna be in that conversation to start unloading some deals because Gray has owed roughly 20 million over the next two seasons. Uh Castillo's entering arbitration, and I'm not too sure how many years of arbitration Castillo's eligible, but I'm guessing at least a couple years, and considering how well he's pitched so far in his short career. He's definitely going to be getting a fat contract whenever he's done being arbitration eligible or whenever he hits free agency. I mean, three of his last four years, his era has either been 3.4 or lower. He has a a campaign where he has one hundred ninety innings pitch you know his strikeouts per nine has been above 10 in the last two seasons there's a lot of nice numbers that comes with Luis Castillo and he could definitely be a number two starter in pretty much any rotation baseball if you're not like the Mets or like the Dodgers who have three number one aces Castillo could even be an ace of a of a staff if you really needed him to even though I think he's more of a number two more of that John Lester kind of mold I really like Castillo though and A team like the D-backs, they definitely wouldn't be in on Castillo or Sonny Gray. They don't want to pay him that money. But as long as he's arbitration eligible, which I think he is for another two or three seasons, he won't be breaking the bank for you. And I'm not sure the D-backs want to really give up any prospects for a guy like Luis Castillo, considering you're probably going to have to pay him if you do trade for him. But like I said, he's arbitration eligible, at least for the next couple of seasons. So you won't have to pay him. Big bucks if you don't want to, but the D backs would never do a deal like that. But let's get to the last rumor of the day, and it seems like the Yankees and DJ LeMayu can't really come to an agreement on a contract. They're saying DJ's asking price might be out of their realm, and this is the New York Yankees right now. DJ is like the face of that franchise, honestly. I think he's everyone's favorite Yankee, maybe outside of Aaron Judge of course but if you if Aaron Judge if Aaron Judge wasn't on that team DJ would for sure be everyone's favorite player and it sounds like DJ's asking for five years 125 and that might be just too much for the Yankees so the Yankees actually have a possible backup plan and I'll be bringing back former shortstop DD Gregorius also former Arizona Diamondback and Didi. Has been one of the best power hitting left handed shortstops in what the last five seasons. He's one of the best. This dude has raw power in three of his five seasons with the D backs when he not the D backs with the Yankees when he played at least 130 games because his health is always a concern. He had at least 20 home runs and three of those seasons. So 2016, 27, 2018, he had at least 20 home runs in those three seasons. And 2017 and 2018, he had 25 or more. So he's definitely got the pop. And as a left-handed batter in Yankee Stadium, that's exactly what the team wants. And if they miss out on DJ, I think D.D. Gregorius would be a nice consolation prize for them. I know a lot of Yankees fans love D.D. during his time there with the team. And they also love DJ LeMayu, so I'm pretty sure Yankees fans would love the opportunity to keep both of them. But if they end up letting DJ walk because they don't want to pay him the money, I, I don't think Yankee fans are going to be too upset seeing D.D. Gregorius reuniting with the team. Now, we'll get into Carson Kelly's 2020 review. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Bill Bar because Bilbar Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but 6 new flavors, Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now, the reason why I love Built Bars is because I'm a health-conscious guy, but I got a sweet tooth. And Built Bar actually tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar, when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar. That's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber, so it's great if you do the keto diet. And if you go to BiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. If you go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BiltBar.com. All oh, right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. And remember, there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% off welcome bonus. Now let's jump right into it. And before we get into that Carson Keller review, I told you guys about that Bleacher Report article that has certain odds on a particular outfield free agent target that I have for the Arizona Dimebacks and that is Michael Brantley and according to Bleach Report they think the D-backs have absolutely no chance of getting Michael Brantley and this is what they have to say even if the Dimebacks fancy themselves contenders the corner outfield spots are set with veterans David Peralta and Cole Calhoun among the team's most productive offensive players after a disappointing 25-35 finish they may have they may decide to pivot toward a rebuild and The Diamondbacks could definitely do that. They could definitely head toward a rebuild, but why would they? They've been a team on the cusp the last couple of seasons, and I still think they're not too far away from being a real playoff contender. I don't know about World Series contender, but I think they could definitely win around in the playoffs, and they definitely need a center fielder because that's a big hole right now. I don't think Dalton Varsho could be a full-time center fielder. I don't think you want Tim McCastro... As a full-time center fielder. And I think Michael Brantley, who's a guy who's going to be 34 years old, a little bit older, a veteran, I don't think he's going to break the bank for you. I think you could get him on a short-term deal, maybe two years, $30 million, maybe around $28 million. And this is a guy that's going to hit for average. Get on base and has some pop as well. Now health has always been a concern with Michael Brantley, but played 46 games in 2020. Played over 140 games in 2018 and 2019 when he was a back-to-back All Star, even All Star in 2017 as well. So this is a guy that has the pop. He's got some wheels as well, even though he probably won't steal as much now that he's a little bit older. But he still got the pop there, and his swing has never gone away. He's a great contact hitter. I've always been a big fan of Michael Brantley because of how good he. He's been, throughout his career, I think he's a guy who's been pretty underrated. I mean, he even finished as high as third in MVP voting back in 2014. He's a four-time All-Star, so... Let's put some respect on Michael Brantley's name. Let's get him to the D-backs because we know the D-backs need a center fielder. And I don't think Michael Brantley is a guy who's going to, you know, break the bank for you. He's made $16 million the last two years, but that's the most he's ever made in his career. He made only 11.5 in 2018. So if you could get closer to that 11.5 number, maybe get in the median of 11.5 and $16 million for Michael Brantley. Tell me you wouldn't sign up for that. Maybe do a two-year deal, three-year deal. Probably more two years because I don't know if you want to pay Michael Branley at 37, but or not 37, at 36, but paying him for age 34 and age 35 seasons, I would definitely do that if I was Mike Hazen and the D-backs. But now, let's get into that Carson Kelly 2020 review because we all know Carson Kelly wasn't the same player in 2020 as he was in 2019 and maybe that's one of the reasons why the Cardinals weren't afraid to trade him. This guy was taking the second round of the 2012 draft by the St. Louis Cardinals, came out of high school at 18 years old, made his debut in 2016 and even though he was, you know, a top top catching prospect, he was always behind Yadier Molina and could never get over the hump to surpass Molina, you know, in terms of hitting or his defense. They, the Cardinals decided hey we would rather keep this aging catcher who's about a you know who's damn near 40 as opposed to keeping a Carson Kelly who is our top catching prospect who's one of our best prospects in our system so they said we'd rather have Goldschmidt than have the successor to the Adier Molina and so far I think that's worked out for them even though Carson Kelly had a great season in 2019 it wasn't the same in 2020 and According to AZ Snake Pit, Carson Kelly actually peaked August 12th, 2019, because his batting line reached 270 batting average, 362 OBP, and a 562 slugging with a 924 OPS. He had 17 home runs, 42 ribbies, and 32 walks, first 51 strikeouts, and 268 plate appearances. So Carson Kelly was absolutely. Calling before August 12, 2019, he was definitely looking like the catcher of the future for the Diamondbacks. But over the rest of the season, those next six weeks, he wasn't the same kind of player. He slumped pretty badly. It actually brought his numbers from 270, his batting average, all the way down to 245. OBP went from 362 to 348. And his I think the most shocking one is this slugging one from 562 to 478 because he only had one more. He only had one more home run in those last six weeks of the season, and he he really struggled offensively down the stretch. But still, his overall numbers on the year were pretty good, and defensively he was still solid. He threw out 32 percent of the base runners in 2019, and even registered plus five runs in StatCast pitch framing metric, but. In 2020, the numbers were not the same for Carson Kelly. It seems like his slump actually transferred or, you know, carried over, I should say, into the 2020 season. And through September 12th, he was batting just 183 with a 533 OPS. He needed a streak of going 10 for 29 just to bring his numbers up to the respectable level it was to end the season. And if we really look at his numbers in 2020, really dive into them, you would see that his play discipline numbers across the board pretty much went down. His contact percentage on balls thrown within the strike zone went down from 2019 to 2020. 86.8% of the time he made contact on balls thrown within the strike zone in 2019, but that went all the way down to 82% in 2020. Same with also his just contact percentage overall, just on all pitches. 79% in 2019, 77.5% in 2020. And also, his swinging strike percentage went up. So, it went from 86 in 2019 to 103 in 2020. So, what does that mean? He was swinging and missing a lot more in 2020 and just not making as much contact. And even if you look at his... Uh, stat cast numbers you would see that went down too his average exit velocity in 2020 was a lot lower than what it was in 2019 on average balls left kelly's bat at 88.9 miles per hour in 2019 but that fell all the way to 86.3 miles per hour in 2020 but why was that his launch angle actually improved in 2020 it went from 14.2 to 16.7 but His barrel percentage went down. He wasn't getting the barrel to the bat. It went from eight point one to four point three in twenty twenty, so almost cut in half. And his hard hit percentage went from forty point three to thirty four point four. So even though he was, uh, even though he had a better launch angle, he wasn't getting the barrel to the ball. He wasn't making as hard as contact, and the ball just wasn't leaving the bat the same. So that's why we saw his power take such a dip and. When you also consider he wasn't making as much contact in 2020, it's no it's no wonder why his numbers went down across the board. It's no wonder why he couldn't hit for average, get on base, or hit for power. And the other thing that's concerning with uh, Carson Kelly was his defense in 2020. He threw out just 14% of his base runners in 2020, 3 of 22, and his pitch framing rate barely even registered in the positives. It was just a plus 1 after being a plus 5. In 2019 so he's gonna need to get those defensive metrics up in 2021 and he's got to get those offensive metrics up in 2021 as well if he wants to be a long-term catcher for the d-backs right now he's not cutting it but the one positive note that az snake pit does have for carson kelly based on his 2020 season was he just continues to hit for average with runners and scoring position he's a high leverage or if you want to say clutch kind of guy if you look at his career his numbers in high leverage situations, he has a 262 average and an 862 OBP or OPS, I should say. But in low leverage situations, a 221 average and a 702 OPS. So this guy, he just needs guys with runners in scoring position. It's kind of like Nick Ahmed. I believe his numbers with runners in scoring position were, were pretty high as well. He seemed to be a pretty clutch guy as well in 2020. So those guys were better with runners in scoring position, but the problem with the D-backs is they never had a lot of guys getting on base because Carson Kelly couldn't hit for average. He couldn't get on base uh, either drawing walk, so if you're getting guys that can't really get on base, you're never going to have dudes that who are better with runners in scoring position actually come through and produce. Carson Kelly probably could have had a better season if he had more guys getting on base, but... He was right along with them. If you look at Carson Kelly's walk percentage from 2019 to 2020, that went down as well. His walk percentage in 2019 was at 13.2%. That dipped all the way to 4.7% in 2020. So Carson Kelly, like the rest of the Arizona Diamondbacks, has to get back to walking and getting on base because... A lot of these D-backs hitters were solid with runners in scoring position. Just that They never had a lot of opportunities. So if the D-backs can get back to the fundamentals, hitting for average, getting on base in 2021, then I believe they could turn their season around and hopefully be a playoff contender next year. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Remember, it's your team every day, so don't forget to come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Don't forget to go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off. Don't forget to go to betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKDOWN for your 50 for your 50% welcome bonus. And remember to always stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces.